Um, kind of a weird Sunday as well. Uh, a lot of weird things. It's snowing <laughs> today. Uh, the power's out, right? Anything else that I'm not thinking of? That was kind of weird. Um, and another weird thing is I found it a little ironic, right, uh, that this Palm Sunday, you know, Palm Sunday, it's typically uh, a more upbeat and celebratory uh, Sunday, right? And I found it a little ironic that it happened to land on the same Sunday that we are discussing Jesus being sentenced to death in John 19, right? So a celebratory kind of Sunday with a more somber text, right? So, you know, all those weird things. I really don't, I don't think it really matters. God wasn't surprised. His plans for today can't be thwarted, I don't think. And, you know, with that being said, would you please stand with me uh, as we read today's passage? If you don't have a Bible, we have at a, there's a black table at the back of the room right there. If you want to grab one, I'll wait a minute if I see anybody uh, running over there. We want you to have it if you don't have a Bible. And if you, if you do have one of those, it's we're on page 1086. You need some quick navigation. So I'll wait a second. So this is John chapter 19, verses 1 to 16. This is Jesus sentenced to be crucified. So then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they slapped him in the face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said to them, Here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! But Pilate answered, You take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for a charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, We have a law, and according to that law he must die, because he claimed to be the Son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And he went back inside the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Do you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the Stone Pavement, which is in Aramaic, uh, Gabbatha. It was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, Take him away! Take him away! Crucify him! Shall I crucify your king? Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. May God bless the reading of his word. Thank you. You can have us go ahead and take a seat. 
So yeah, already experiencing some irony just with the, today's text. But I'm really struck by the irony in the passage. This passage that starts with the flogging of Jesus, which is commissioned by the Roman governor Pontius Pilate, and includes a mock coronation. Right, where soldiers they put a crown of thorns on Jesus's head, and they clothe him with a purple robe, and they sarcastically cheer, "Hail, King of the Jews!" And if only they knew, if only they actually knew who they had in front of them, right? Like if only they knew the irony of their mocking. If only they understood that they had the King of Kings in front of them. And this morning, I'm really thankful to serve this King and reflect on what kind of King he is. Uh, looking at verses 1 to 16, I think that we see that Jesus is a humble King. Jesus is our sovereign king. And Jesus is the hero king. First we see that Jesus is a humble king. The gospels, they tell us of how Jesus humbled himself, taking on an earthly life, God becoming man, living a life without wealth or high status. And Jesus, he lived his life as a servant, as a humble servant. Humbly serving other people, feeding the hungry, washing people's feet, associating himself with social outcasts. Earlier in the book of John, in chapter 12, Jesus, he enters Jerusalem, not riding on a noble steed, big Mustang, right? But instead on the colt of of a donkey, not a horse, not a horse, a donkey, And he's received as a king and praised by many people. So Jesus is legitimately received as king when he humbly rides into Jerusalem. And now he is mockingly received as a king during the events of chapter 19's interrogation. And in this scene, it's just days after Jesus' triumphal entry there. Jesus, he humbles himself further by submitting to this weak trial, by submitting to beatings, and by eventually submitting to death, even death on a cross. And he had actually already submitted to these things in the past. And in chapter 18, we see that he had already submitted to these things. When he tells the apostle Peter, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? We see that Jesus, he humbly submits himself to the will of God the Father. But Jesus, he doesn't assume this humble position uh, because he's weak or because he has to. It's all by his own choice, right? If If we look closely, we see that Jesus is a sovereign king as well. Jesus, throughout the Gospel of John... He's been revealing to his disciples what is going to happen to him. Predicting his death in chapter 12. In chapter 14 he says, Before long the world will not see me anymore. In chapter 16 he says, Now I am going to the one who sent me. And in a little while you will see me no more. Jesus, he is omniscient. He is all-knowing 
He knew beforehand what was going to happen. And if we look at Jesus' actions leading up to chapter 19, it's evident that it was by his own choice that he ended up here in front of Pilate. He chose this. At the Last Supper, knowing that his disciple Judas was going to betray him, Jesus tells him, what you're about to do, do it quickly. Get out of here, go do it. Do what you got to do. And on the night of his arrest, Jesus surrenders himself and tells Peter to put his sword away so Jesus can be easily arrested. In chapter 10, Jesus says, I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. So just from those words, we see that Jesus, he lays down his life on his own. And he does it with the authority to raise it up again. And we see that he does it all in submission to the charge of God the Father. And on the topic of authority, there's some interesting dialogue between Pilate and Jesus in verses 9 to 11. Right? So this is after the Pharisees have called for Jesus' crucifixion. Pilate, he's already told them a couple times that he finds no basis for Jesus to receive a death penalty. Right? But the chief priests, these Pharisees, they continue to put pressure on Pilate. And Pilate, not knowing what to do, he re-enters the palace with Jesus. And he asks, where do you come from? Where do you come from? Verse 9 says that Jesus gave him no answer. And continuing from there, Pilate responds by asking, Do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you realize that I have the power to either free you or crucify you? Jesus replied, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. So Jesus chooses not to answer Pilate. And Pilate asks, like, hey, Jesus, like, are you seriously giving me the silent treatment right now? Like, do you know who I am? Your fate is in my hands right now. And Jesus, he basically says to him, well, like, actually, my fate is in my hands, right? It's ironic, and it, you know, honestly, it, start, it starts to sound like an episode of Undercover Boss, right? <laughs> Jesus, he tells Pilate that Pilate only has power because it was given to him from above. So God the Father, being one with his son Jesus, has given Pilate this authority to do what he's about to do, which is hand Jesus over to be crucified. You know, this, this conversation, it, uh, it's a crazy conversation, and it really reminds me of uh, me wrestling my kids. That's what it makes me think of. And uh, if you haven't seen my kids running around here, they are six, five, two, and one years old. I think I got all of them. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, please. So um, sometimes when I am wrestling my kids, when I'm wrestling with them, especially if there is more than one of them against me at a time, right? It can seem like, it, it seems like they're really beating me up, right? Like to them, it might seem like I'm down for the count, right? They might think, it might seem to them 
like they are the ones who have all the power in my living room, right? (laughs) But in reality, right? In reality, I am the one who is scripting this pro wrestling match, right? (laughs) I love pro wrestling, if you don't know, right? I decide when one of them takes me down. I decide when I get taken down. I mean, I also, I also decide when one of them gets taken down. I don't get knocked down or knocked over because I'm powerless against my kids. Like, sure, like surely you guys know I have better takedown defense than a six-year-old. <laughs> right? Like, come on. <laughs> but I don't get beat up by these little hazelnuts, right, because I have to, right? I do because I choose to, right? And in those moments... When I'm at the bottom of a dog pile, you know, when my kids think that they've, you know, ended my tickling once and for all, they are unknowingly helping to accomplish my purpose of building their confidence, making them a little stronger, making them a little tougher. We're in the mouth. That's right. Make them go to bed early. Yeah. And in a much greater way, God is in control the whole time in this situation, right? So much so that the Pharisees' plan to have Jesus crucified, which was intended to stop Jesus' life and ministry once and for all, would actually help him accomplish the purpose of his life on earth, right? To free people from sin once and for all, right? His plans, again, cannot be thwarted. And his plan ultimately was to save us from our sin and reconcile us to himself. So finally, we recognize that Jesus is our hero king. One of my favorite movies of all time is a superhero movie. Jocelyn Wall, do you know what movie I'm talking about? It is Batman. It's, yeah, specifically Dark Knight. I also like Dark Knight Rises, but I'm, I'm talking about Dark Knight. And I'm going to spoil part of the ending for you guys. Okay, so if you, I'm so sorry if you're planning on watching it soon, but it has been out for a while. And I did say to myself, you know, I'm going to wait 14 years and then I'll use it for a message. So, so we're, here we are, 14 years later. And at the end of this movie, Batman is accused of a crime that he didn't commit. Right? And he has to flee from his home city of Gotham. And there's only one man in the movie who knows the truth about Batman's innocence. And he says this about Batman. He says, he's the hero Gotham deserves, but not the one it needs right now. I think our king, Jesus, and Batman, the Dark Knight, have a few things in common. They both want to save people. They have both been rejected by a group of people that they are trying to save and they both have to suffer consequences for sins they did not commit. And this is clear when you look at the conversation between Pilate and Jesus and then, you know, Pilate's report back to the Pharisees. He keeps telling them, hey, like, this guy is clearly innocent when I look at things, right? Um, But I think by looking at the differences between Batman and Jesus... Right? This helps me personally appreciate what kind of hero Jesus is. Right? 
So in this example, Batman, right? He's the hero Gotham deserves, but he's not the one it needs right now. Whereas Jesus, he is the savior that we all need, but that we don't necessarily deserve. We definitely don't deserve. Right? Because of our sin, we actually deserve death. We don't deserve the eternal life that God originally created us for. We all fall short and we sin against God in our own ways. And we desperately need a savior. And Jesus, he is that hero that wants to save us from the destruction of our sin. But what does Jesus being king mean for us? What does it mean to us to have a God that is our humble, sovereign hero? I have some thoughts. But first, I would like for you to take a second and think about what mess or messes there are in your life right now. Take a minute. Actually, right now I'm going to pray. Let's ask God to show us what messes he wants to bring to our attention right now. So, Lord, I just pray that you would reveal to us um, some of the messes that you want us to be thinking about right now. Bring to our attention uh, some of the things that you might want to be working in or some of the things that you have already been working in, God. God, we are listening and we are waiting. In Jesus' name. So, thinking about those things. And again, what does Jesus being king mean for us? Right? What does it mean for us to have this God who is our humble and sovereign hero? Jesus being a humble king means that coming into our messy lives, it is not beneath him. Right? He gets down into the muck with us. And we know this because he left his throne to come and die for our sins. Jesus, being our sovereign king, means that he does not stay down in the muck with us. He doesn't just stay there, but he is sovereign over it. And what an awesome encouragement it is to know that when it seems like Jesus is down for the count, right, his purposes are still being fulfilled. And Jesus being our hero means that he saves us from our messes. He transforms our messes. He takes us out of them. He is exactly the hero we need in all situations. He heals bodies and hearts. And although we we really don't deserve the grace he offers, he forgives and gives freely to those who call on him as Lord. So this morning, to wrap up, we have our Oceanside uh, kids coming in here. And uh, they're going to put themselves into the Palm Sunday scene of Jesus entering Jerusalem. And we're going to welcome him as king into this city. And remembering how people expected the Messiah to be a warlord who would immediately overthrow the Roman government, we recognize 
that he is actually much better than we expected. He is our humble, sovereign, hero king.